Touch five people right now and tell them God's got a great plan for your life. Just touch five people, play the bumper. Let's, uh, five people, tell them God has got a great plan for your life today. Amen. Amen. Well, it's football day. I have a dream. If you don't, if you're not, if you're not on board with my dream, just pray, and uh, Jesus is going to help us. How many of you believe that all things are possible through God who gives us strength? Amen. Do you believe that? Okay. But God's good. We're going to start a new series this morning called Dream, and and what I want to do is I want to I want to just say in, in in preparation here that when we talk about dreams, dream the the subject of dreams can be or dreaming, having a dream can be very uh, problematic at times as well as exciting because we're all in different stages and different seasons in our lives. And biblically, I just wanna say to you this morning that, that when we talk about having a dream, the Bible does not say that you get to have a dream. That's not what scripture says. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, get up in the morning and have a dream for your life. The Bible says that God has a dream for you. Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible says that God has a dream for you. That God's dream for you is bigger than what you could dream for yourself. God's dream for you is bigger than what you can accomplish on your own. God's dream for you is more than what you can tangibly accomplish in your lifetime. You know that God, when we really begin to apprehend this, this subject, when the epiphany actually hits, God actually, he accelerates the dream faster than anything you could do on your own. If you've lost a dream, God replaces the dream and it's better than the one you had before. If you feel that you've been cheated out of a dream, if you feel like Old Testament language, you know, the, the enemy came and the locust ate up your dream and, and the, the enemy has a way of going back into the enemy's camp and bringing back everything that was carried away from you. But God's dream is our dream. The word dream, the word vision, and the word revelation are synonymous in scripture. And I think that's really important because we don't wanna get into this. This is not a self-help message this morning or a series. This is God has a dream for our life at every season of our life, using exactly how you were made and how you were created. God wants to use you for his kingdom. He wants us to be a part of his big picture dream for the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen this morning? Okay, so this is, a, this is about dreams, about having a dream and apprehending God's dream. In the next few weeks, I'm gonna hit a bunch of subjects. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna have a, a great time, but let me define it for you, first of all. To go after your dream is to live a life filled with faith goals. If, if in a natural goal, goal this morning, um, if you have teenagers in your house, if your goal in the morning was to get them showered and into the minivan to have no fights, get all the way to church and still have the glory fall, that's a good goal. Come on, somebody, okay? But that's a natural goal. A faith goal is a, is a goal that can only be accomplished when faith is overlaid over the top of it. In other words, a faith goal is a goal that you cannot accomplish on your own. You can't do it by yourself. As a matter of fact, the more you try, the more frustrated you become and the more um, discouraged at times you get because there are some goals in life that can only come through the realm of faith. So to go after your dream is to live a, a, a life filled with faith goals that are consistent with how God designed you. 
and they're accomplished through great passion for the purposes of God. So in other words, um, if, if you know how God made you, uh, that's good, but there also has to be a passion attached to that. You know that you can never, no one ever accomplishes anything great without passion. You have to be passionate about something. I had, I had uh, some kids one time take me to uh, play paintball. Can I tell you, I never want to play paintball again as long as I live. But in the moment, I was so passionate. When I saw the kids getting excited and putting on gear and putting on armor and loading their gun and putting on helmets, man, I thought I was Rambo for like, I was the Hawaiian Rambo for like 15 minutes. I was so passionate. I got out there, I played paintball, but when it was all over, I limped off of that, out of that, those woods. I got in the car. I put balm on ointment on all my bruises and all my cuts. And I said, Jesus, I never want to play paintball again. Amen. But in the moment, I was incredibly passionate about it. You never accomplish anything unless you have passion. But the caveat here is that our passion is not on the event. Our passion is on the person of Jesus. Because our passion for Jesus and what he's doing is the thing that ultimately fuels our dream. And our dream comes from God. But it also says here, it says that you have to accomplish a dream that that, uh, comes out of how you were designed. All of us were designed a certain way by God. And, and learning that design, and learning that design and function, your dream, your function, that those two go hand in hand. You can never have a, a dream that is outside of your design. So there are some things in my life that I'm never going to do because I'm not designed to do it. For, for an, an example would be, there are some things, if you're five foot two and you can't walk and chew gum, you're never going to play in the NBA. No matter how much you dream about it, it's not going to happen. Why? Because God's dream is always consistent with your design. You will never experience a dream that is inconsistent with your design. Now, what happens is, is that you go through life, you realize that you have actually things in you that you don't know about yet. There are some things, one of the great things about God is he comes along and he pulls things out of you that you don't even know that you have in you. There, there are some things that God put in you that only God can draw out. Maybe those are the I, only, you know, I can't see it, mine can't conceive it things, but they're in there. They're inside of you waiting for our lives to be surrendered to Jesus, to put our lives in the hand of the Father, who then says, not only do I know you, not only did I design you, but I knew all of your days. I know your future. I know what you're good at, what you're bad at. I know your good attitudes, your bad attitudes. I know what God's doing in you right now. And if you put your life in my hands, we're gonna accomplish some things that you could never accomplish. So we have to make sure that our dreams are biblical dreams. Dreams come from God. And they come for each season of our life in each context that we live in. So in other words, if you had a dream when you were young, but you don't have a dream now that you're a little older, 30, 40, 50, 60, you think, well, I don't have a dream that's inconsistent with God. God gives you a dream consistent with how you're designed at every season of your life. Our dream is to fulfill the purposes of God and to see the kingdom come. Are you there? See, are you there this morning? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How many of you love Jesus? Come on. Live and die every day, all day long. Our dream is to see the kingdom of God come on earth and for people to find Jesus and to make his name great. You can be a part of that in any context, whether you've lost something, found something, whether you started yesterday or you've been doing it for 50 years. God still wants to use you, and he has a dream that he's put in your heart. We live in a very strange time, though. We live in a politically uh, heated season, a culturally strange time. 
we have a group of people in the world today that are called millennials. Now, there's a lot of stuff about millennials today, but, I, but you got to understand that the world today has completely changed, completely changed. Hey, by the way, by the way, just in lieu of our other discussions, did you know that Denver uh, was, was rated uh, number one city last month in all of America to live in? Wow. Number one. That was not a very big clap. So, so those of you who weren't clapping because you want all the people from California to go home, look, look, we want them to find Jesus. I say send them all. Can I hear an amen? Number one. And uh, there, was two, there were two Colorado cities on, in the top five. Uh, the point would be the population is exploding. Today, millennials, millennials today are the largest generation that has ever lived on planet Earth, ever. There are 85 to 90 million people considered millennials today. A millennial is someone who reached adulthood around the age of 18, 19, around the year 2000. They're called millennials because they came into young adulthood around the millennium. So they could be anywhere from 17 to 35, 36 years old. There's 90 million of them today. And they are the most educated generation in the history of planet Earth. They're, they're the largest and they're the most educated. But interestingly enough, 40% of all unemployed people today are millennials. 40%. And 50% of them still live at home with their parents. Now, this is okay. I don't mind that. I want my kids to live at home as long as possible. Yeah, because I want them to pay back some rent. I, I want them to live in my house long enough to start writing me checks. Are you there? Does any, any, any parents say amen to that? Come on. I want them to write big checks, not little checks. Not, not $50, not $10. I don't, I, I, there's going to come a day I'm going to text my daughter and say, I need gas money. Are you there? Come on. Okay. But I don't, I don't mind... I don't mind that statistic, but you have to understand, 40% are unemployed. Now, four out of 10, now listen to this, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not dissing uh, baristas right now, okay? Because I need you in my life in a desperate way. <laughs> but four out of every 10 baristas have a, have a post high school degree, and many of them will work in jobs that are below their education until they're well into their 30s, close to their 40s now. Today, single parents, single mothers, are at the, the, the highest rate that it's ever been, but not through divorce for the first time in history, but through just single moms out of wedlock, having babies into their 30s, their first child between 30 and 35 years old. The world is changing. They're, they're an average of $33,000 in debt when they leave college, and they are the, the generation that has the highest level of clinical anxiety, stress, and depression in history. We have a generation, 90 million of them today, that don't have a dream. They don't have an understanding of what could happen in their life because of the context that they're born into. Now, whether you're, living, you're reading secular material or sacred material, they will tell you the same thing. They will tell you that the only way to break the pattern of mediocrity that takes decades of your life and wastes it on the altar of not understanding is to get a dream. 
You will hear more people today preaching in the secular community about how to have a bigger dream and how to, to break through and, because there's got to be something on this ceiling, this lid. There's got to be a way to break through that thing. And it happens when you begin to believe for something bigger, something more. But our dream comes from God. The only way for us to do this, the only way for us to live the life Scripture says we can live, it's to let our dream come from God. For us to not tell God what our dream is, but to let our dream come from God. Once your dream comes from God, you will begin to live a life that is really uncomfortable. It can hurt a little bit. You're gonna have to walk on water. How, how, about, a, how about a generation, we need another generation of water walkers. We need, we need a generation of faith speakers Water walkers, Holy Spirit lovers, healing believers, people who literally get up in the morning and still say to themselves, God's got a plan for my life. God's going to bring revival to the front range. God wants the churches to be strong, alive, healthy, and growing and loving. We need a, we need a group of people that learn a different language, the language of heaven. The language of earth and the language of heaven are two different languages. The language of earth is what happens when we're, we're, we find ourselves in culture and we hear every day what we can't do, what we shouldn't do, what, what couldn't be on our lives. And we read the statistics and we live under the, the, the realm of a statistic. But the language of heaven is an open language. It's open heavens. It's open windows. It's better language. It's more faith. It's you can do it. God's got a plan. The enemy, the devil is a liar. The, the, the enemy wants to steal from you and kill and destroy. But the language of heaven does something that, that I think is very important. I want to talk about it today. I want to first give you some verses here, okay? Dreams come from God. Let's look at a couple verses. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Now, I've used this one before from the message, but it's very, very important. And I think it's now one of my life verses for the rest of my life. Proverbs 29, 18 in the message. If, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Really important. We live in a day where a generation of people are having a hard time seeing what God is doing. Now, I want to be honest. I could preach, and I can, I can give my best sermon, to, and I can do everything that I can do to, in, in the natural language, to get people to see what God is doing but the truth is that it takes a revelation from the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit touching the heart and the mind of a person, not according to, there's a revival going on over here, but according to, this is how I want you to spend your life. In other words, the Holy Spirit touches a person. Doesn't, he doesn't just touch a city, he touches a person. And when the person has been touched by the Holy Spirit, then they begin to come alive with something that they didn't understand before. So seeing what God is doing is not about just being in a place where God is moving, but being in a place where God can move in you. And that, that's, that changes everything. It changes the game. So if they can't see what God's doing, they're going to stumble. That's the millennial generation. But when they attend to what he reveals, so there's the dream. God has a dream for you, a vision, a revelation we are people who live our lives according to revelation. We don't come up with things. We don't make it up. We just attend to it. You know, if we could learn to attend to what God is revealing, we would lead a pretty exciting life, wouldn't we? 
If every time that God revealed something, we just got excited about it and we went to do it, and God was gonna back it up because it was his dream. Jeremiah 29, 11, really important for this generation. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, but to give you a future and a hope. People need to, we need to have a rebirth of this verse, I believe. God has a plan for us to give us a future and a hope. This is one of those dream verses where a generation that they don't, they don't have jobs, they can't work, they're living at home, they're pushing marriage off into their mid-30s and they just decide to have kids. Why wait for a husband? Why do this? And we find ourselves in this funny little outside of scriptural context in life and the family gets hurt. And uh, We just need to have a rebirth of belief that God has a, a future. Okay. God has a future for you. If you don't believe he does, that's either the world, the flesh, or the devil telling you otherwise. God has a future and a hope for you. We're people who live, in a, live a life of hope. We live in the realm of hope, not in the realm of hopelessness. That's the millennial generation. That's what the world says. That's why, that's why people will be satisfied to just get by for the rest of their life and never touch anything higher, okay? So uh, a very important verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, for the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Can you say amen to that? Okay. As some count slowness. This is so important. We need to remember that God is actually in control. God is not slow to fulfill his promise. Have you ever noticed how we tend to put a lot of pressure on God? Like we, we take a promise and we want the promise fulfilled on our timeline. You know, one of the keys to fulfilling the will of God and really being used by God is not giving God your timeline, but giving God your heart. You see, time, if, you, if you give God a timeline, he comes back and deals with the heart. If you give God your plan, he comes back and deals with the heart. If we give God our heart instead of our timeline, God can then accelerate the timeline according to the work of God that's taking place in our heart and our ability to respond as he initiates. Life is about response. It's about how we respond. So the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. But what does it say? He's patient with you. So it's not God, it's us. It's, you ever seen one of those Dear John letters, right? You know, one of those breakup moments. It's not you, it's me. God flips it. He's like, it's not me, it's you. Trust me, okay? You, you need to, you need, I'm, I'm being patient with you right now. I got a dream, but I'm, I'm being patient with you, okay? So he's not slow to fulfill his promise, dream. Revelation, vision, promise, dream. Romans 12, verses one to two. Now, again, this will be in the message Bible, in the message version because I love the way he expands this. Now, now just, just watch this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Dear Jesus, we need, we need God's help for this, don't we? We need to stop trying to work so hard and do it ourselves, we need God's help. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. It's so amazing, I love that. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Let me read that again. Here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary, 
your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and give it to God as an offering. See, because here's what we tend to do. We tend to want to give God the thing that we don't have because we compare ourselves with others. God doesn't want what you don't have because the dream is found in what you do have. The dream is found in who you are and how you were designed and where you live and who you know and who's in your life. Don't try to be someone, want to be in someone else's life. Don't tell God that we, we, I can't do this because I don't have what they have or I don't live where they live or I'm not experiencing what they experience because the only thing you're going to do is frustrate and postpone the dream. God wants what he gave us, not what he hasn't gave us back as an offering. He wants your everyday life, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. That's where God fulfills the dream. God fulfills it in the middle of who you are, not in the center of who you are not. To be used by God is to know who you are and how you were designed and say, Lord, this is who I am. I'm gonna give it to you. It's powerful. And then he says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. So whatever God's done in you, whatever he's doing through you, all that he's revealing, that's what you can do. That's the very best thing. Give that back to him. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So let me give you uh, five categories. There's only four maybe written there. I I left one out on the notes, but just follow along of dreamers, okay? The first category of dreamers are what I call the dreamless dreamers. The dreamless dreamers. They're people who either live in or are born into a dreamless context. Make no mistake about it. If you have never been in a context where people want to help you dream, it's very hard to dream. Uh, Growing up as a child, uh, I grew up into a single parent home. Um, We always had, in a sense, the minimum. Um, I was never really told by anyone growing up as a child, you know, you're going to be a great man or God's got a plan for your life or you can do it. Um, it It was a very difficult time. I grew up in a dreamless context. I was surrounded by people who lived their life according to a checklist. I still have friends today that are my age, they're almost 50 years old, they're still living their life according to a checklist. In other words, culture told them what success is. Culture told them how they're supposed to live and what they're supposed to do. Now brace yourself because I know this is gonna get you. Here we go. I I didn't get to go, but my friends did. I just had my 30-year high school reunion. Oh, awesome. Um, Very good, Pastor Doug. 30 years, I can't believe it. And can I tell you that I have friends that 30 years ago when we graduated high school, because we're going back and forth on Facebook and stuff. You know, many of my friends are successful. They, um, They have everything that they've ever wanted in life except happiness. They, um, they are on their second marriage or their third marriage. Their children have already, in the time that we've been out of high school, their children have turned their backs on their parents. And they're asking me questions, you know, what about my son? Hey, you got any advice for me? What do you think I should do? On the other hand, I have friends who weren't saved in high school like me, and we're all finding each other. And they're saying, they're sending me messages on Facebook like, is this really true? Are you a preacher? LOL. Like, I'm getting those, LOL. I'm like, LOL, yes, I am, you know? And they're, they're, they're finding, I have friends of mine in high school, we partied together and almost ruined our lives together that have been in ministry now for maybe 15 years. 
And you know what? They're not all the most wealthy people in the world, but I'll tell you what they are. They're the happiest people I've ever met. And my language with them is now the language of heaven. It's not the language of high school. I wish I could have gone to, on my, my trip just to walk around and high-five all my, new, my heaven friends. Come on. It would have been amazing. But you have to, you have to, you have to understand that you've got to put yourself in the context where people dream. Don't put yourself in a context where people don't dream. You've got to have people around you who tell you that God's got a plan for your life. You can be involved. You can serve. You can help build the kingdom. God's got something in you. There's something wrapped up inside of you that's very special. You've got to get it out. Don't live your life by a checklist, and don't put yourself around checklist people. We've got to be the kind of people who want to be so stirred and challenged and uncomfortable that it forces us out of our comfort zones to attempt some things that are only done through faith. Faith changes everything. You know, if I took a... If I had a diamond, if I had a $100,000 diamond, and I took that $100,000 diamond, and I wrapped it up in a piece of garbage, and a piece, just, just a paper, and I crumpled that diamond up, and I threw it out on the ground on the sidewalk, people would walk by that thing all day long. And they would look at that piece of garbage, and they would say, there's a piece of garbage, and they would judge it by what it looks like on the outside, they'd judge it by if it's dirty, they'd judge it by if it's crumpled up, they'd judge it by if it was broken, but on the inside, there's something very valuable. This is how God works. God took brokenness. The Bible says that we're all, uh, we, have, we carry a treasure inside of an earthly vessel. That's what the Bible says. A vessel made of clay that can be easily broken, that can be easily damaged, but inside it there is something special. The dream and the purpose that God has for you, it's in you. But you've got to be around people who look past the wrapper, who look past the outside, who can reach in and draw it out and bring it out and say, no, God, God spoke over you, Psalms 139, before you ever lived, before you walked. He knew your name. He knew everything about you. There's a precious treasure inside of you called God's dream. God's dream, not your dream, his dream. And how we bring glory to him. Another group of, of dreamers is what I call the limited dreamers. The limited dreamers are the dreamers who stay in a small dream state. Now check this out. Because they don't like the accountability of the larger dream. You will never go to a larger place without being willing to grow. Many people will stay exactly the same. Why? Because they don't like the pressure of having to change. The accountability of the larger dream takes larger sacrifice. It takes larger commitment to internal change. It takes a larger understanding of what it means to to be on a team and to flow. Some people will just stay limited because they don't like the accountability of trying to step out to be something that God called them to be. Here's another one, the wrong dreamers. The wrong dreamers. Now, I'm gonna call these shortcut dreamers as well. Wrong dreamers, sometimes people, they don't have the wrong dream. They just don't know how to accomplish it. They don't know how to get there. They've, they've embraced some of the world's um, ways of, of belief. Okay, so um, being born in Hawaii, how many of you could dream with me that we're all in Hawaii for a minute? Okay, just, just, just feel it. There it is. There's the warm breeze on your face, all the fresh pineapple. Oh, I'm going there. I better open my eyes. Okay, um, well, in Hawaii, there's a, place, there's a place on Oahu that everyone knows. It's one of the most photographed places on planet Earth. And it's the volcano that's at the end of Waikiki Beach called Diamond Head. 
You've probably seen a photograph of it, but didn't, maybe didn't know what it was called, okay? Diamond Head is, a, is an extinct volcano, and it has an incredible ecosystem that, that today people, are, people will travel and climb this thing. And if you get to the top, it has one of the most incredible views in Hawaii. It's absolutely amazing. Um, when my wife and I went on our honeymoon there, we went up Diamond Head. And uh, we looked at the view, we watched the ocean, but as you get to the top, there's a sign that says something. I think this sign should hang in the office of every pastor in America, and I think it should hang on the heart of every one of us here. There's a sign. You, if you ever go there, um, you'll see the sign, and this is what the sign says. The sign says, stay on the path and take no shortcuts because it causes erosion. Shortcut dreamers think that they have a more brilliant way to get to the dream than God does. They forget that God is not going to leave his promise unfulfilled, but he's being patient with us. Shortcutting God or thinking that we can get there on our own or take a shortcut, I'm not gonna fix my character, I'm not gonna fix my integrity, I'm not gonna fix, I'm not gonna grow, I'm not going to learn anything, I'm not gonna take a class, I'm not gonna be challenged. By the way, I'd encourage anybody who's not in a small group right now, you've got some time, two weeks from now, join me on Wednesday night as we, as we teach from the Bible and come out on, and just pack that room out with me. Last time it was packed, we had a great time. But a, a, shortcut, a shortcut dreamer says, I don't need to grow, but I want the product. It's a millennial mentality. I'm not gonna be stretched. I'm not gonna grow, but I expect someone to deliver it. I expect my, my Gen X parents or my baby boomer parents to deliver it to me so that I don't have to work and be held accountable for the dream. I just want someone to deliver the dream to me. So they take shortcuts. You know what it does? It causes erosion, spiritual erosion in our lives. We erode things like scripture we erode prayer. We erode devotion. We erode biblical teaching and how things are supposed to work in the world. We erode it by simply thinking that we can get there some other way. And you end up spending years and years of your life. So we don't want to be that kind of a dreamer. Then we've got vague dreamers. I'm going to go quickly now. Vague dreamers. A vague dreamer is someone who, who lives in a maze and they never find their way out. Um, one pastor in Hawaii, his name's Wayne Cordero, he calls it, uh, he said one time, I want to die empty. And he uses this, this verse from Paul in 2 Timothy, uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, where he says, our goal should be to be poured out in our life. Let our dreams be such in a way that we pour it out, we have nothing left when we, when we leave. We don't leave with unfulfilled dreams in serving the Lord. Paul said, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight, I finished the course, and I kept the faith. Can I hear an amen? Come on. That's the kind of life that we need to live, where our dreams are being fulfilled, we're believing, and we're, we're emptying those out on the altar for Jesus. And then we have God dreamers. God dreamers are dreamers who decide to live for the glory of God alone. This single revelation that we were put on this earth to live for the glory of Jesus alone will radically change a person's existence because it takes the focus off of us and puts the focus and the trust on God. Then God then can take a people who live for him 
He can do things through them because they respond in such a way that other people don't respond that the kingdom of God can have exponential growth. And my prayer is, my, my honest prayer is, I was praying it this morning, I prayed it last night, is that in our church family, that we respond to Jesus and that we respond in such a way that we can see exponential growth in, in the city of Denver and the surrounding areas and that the churches can respond to the Holy Spirit. I want to see God move. But here, here's a few things quickly, then we'll wrap this up about God dreamers. The first one, God dreamers never shrink God down to their experience. Dreams come from the top down, not the bottom up. You know, Peter, when, when Jesus met Peter, his name was Simon. Simon means to hear or to listen. But the word Peter means uh, bedrock or the rock. So even though his natural vision for his life was to be someone who heard, who listened, he was a Jew, he was a Hebrew, he listened, he watched. God came down and said, I'm going to change this. You're a good hearer, you're a good listener, but now I'm going to make you a rock. So God's vision came down and he made Peter an instrument for the New Testament church. Upon this rock, Jesus, I will build my church and you're going to be called the rock. So the vision came from the top down, not the bottom up. God takes what we have in the natural and he applies supernatural to it. We become something greater. Another one, God dreamers sow words of faith that are the seed to the dream. You have to make sure that as someone who dreams what God wants, that we sow good words into each other. Words in scripture are called seeds. If you take a seed and you put the seed in the ground, it's not about the seed, but the potential that's in the seed. When you sow a good word into someone, it's not about the word that you spoke, because that's just natural talking, but it's about the spiritual potential in the word. Growing up as a child, I never had anyone say to me, God's got a plan for your life. You know, I remember the first person who ever said to me, God has a plan for your life and it's bigger than you think. You know, that was in 1990. That person spoke to me in 1990. And I tell you, I'll never forget where I was sitting. I'll never forget the conversation. It stuck with me. That single seed that a pastor spoke into my life wrecked me. Someone who had no plan, no future, no hope. God can have a plan for my life, so it's about the potential that's in the word. Another one, God dreamers have dreams that glorify God and not themselves. I said that, but if the dream brings no glory to God, then it's not God's dream. The litmus test for, for dreams is, is it bringing glory to God? Are you doing everything that we're doing to bring glory to the Father? Because God works through that. He anoints that. So we gotta make sure that we're, we wanna glorify him. Another one, God dreamers live by revelation and have deep devotional lives. Listen, you cannot share your dreams with someone and not be close to them. It's not possible. I remember when Donna and I were dating, because when you're in Bible college and you're dating in Bible college, Bible college is so funny. You know, all, you know young people like, you know, like flirting and, they hang out, you guys sitting at Red Robin, you know, like, a Red Robin is like the birthplace of destiny or something, and he's sitting there, Red Robin, and, and the, 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 the guy says to the girl, the girl says to the guy, so what has God called you to do? 
And then the other person goes, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm called to have a church of 900,000 people. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking for someone who can reach that level with me. You know, you, you, you would be shocked. The funny conversations that I remember now, looking back, you know, into young adulthood. You know, the girl says, you know, he says, well, what about your life? And she's like, well, I, I'm going to marry somebody who, bel- who is secure with having a strong, anointed, devil stomp and tongue talk a woman of God who might outshine them in the pulpit. <laughs> and you just watch the guy just shrink. Just, ah, ah, ah. It, it's just, it's just interesting. My wife and I, when we started having these talks, it was very sincere, you know. She first said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, it's simple. I'm going to go spend the rest of my life in one of two places. I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to be a missionary in Japan forever. Or I'm going to go to Indonesia, and I'm going to die with a Bible in my hand and a spear in my belly reaching some tribe. And so you got to be comfortable with that. I literally said that to her. We laugh about it today. She, she's like, a spear in your belly? I'm like, you know, set me on fire, they will come, you know. Like, whoa. But I got to tell you, during those years, we, we shared dreams. You cannot have sharing dream times with Jesus and not have a devotional life. It's not possible. People say, well, how do you have a devotional life? Sit down, close your eyes, and ask Jesus about his plan for you and his heart for you. Tell Jesus why you love him and what he's done for you. And talk about your dreams and desires. People who share their dreams together are incredibly devoted to one another. Because based on relationship, I'm almost done. God dreamers are passionate about big kingdom picture stuff. They're, they're as passionate about changing the whole world as they are changing the parking lot. Can I hear an amen? And making it powerful. They see the big picture. People who can't see the big picture always have a wrong view of their own position. and What they do. You have to be a big kingdom person to understand even how we, we're, we're placed in the body. The next one, I'm almost done. God dreamers are looking for God in everything they do, not just in what they're asking God to do. They're, they're looking for their dream in everything that they do. They're walking around, talking, going to work life, in everything, not just what they're asking God to do. Some people, you know, we have this idea at times, we treat God like a vending machine. You know what I mean? I put something in, I get something out. I put something in, I get something out. Did you know that there's, there's nothing that God can pour out any more than he's already poured out? See, we have, this, we have to say, God, your dream is in everything that I do. It's not, it's not me picking and choosing. You know, it's like, you ever go into a vending machine and, and uh, you gotta pick something out and there's numbers and letters, right? And you stare at it, and you, it's, like, it's like we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want C6. And so we put stuff in for C6. And then God, because he obeys us, his little wheel of destiny starts to turn, and C6 gets stuck before it hits the, and you're shaking God, you know? God is not a, God's not a, a vending machine, put it in, get it out, put it in, get it out. No, 
destiny and dream is found in everything that we do every day because it flows by grace through the eternity that's in our hearts, through the design that God gave us, giving us the ability to love him on the good days and the bad days and to testify to what he's done even when we don't feel like it and to sing songs of joy when we're sad. It's about, it's about finding him in everything and knowing that he's pleased with you. And he doesn't respond to what we respond to. The last one, God dreamers are drawn to other God dreamers. Find dreamers to be around. You'll never become an eagle hanging out with chickens, amen? It's an old adage, it's an old message at this point in history. But if you want to dream, you got to hang out with the people who know how to dream big things with God. And don't be, don't be frustrated don't be frustrated when you start to get agitated. Because I want to tell you, agitation, because whenever you feel that accountability to the dream, God says he's got more for you. And I want to tell you today, God says he has more for you. He's, he's saying it right now. He's telling you he's got more for you. And sometimes when you first feel that, you can start to get a little agitated because you think, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. You know, if, it was, if life was about you, we could all just go home right now. It's about Jesus and it's about the kingdom. Agitation leads to frustration. Frustration is the prerequisite to change. Don't give up at agitation. Don't get up at fr- give up at frustration. Just go through to the change. Go through to the, to the dream. Break through. Feel it and believe it. Can I hear an amen? Bow your heads with me this morning and I want to pray for you. If there's anybody here, you, you feel like your dream has been stolen. Your dream has been, has been lost. You don't even know what your dream is supposed to be. You don't know even how design works anymore. But you know that in your heart that there's something inside of you that's special and precious and valuable. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And if you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I think above and beyond anything else that we do, at any level, that is where it all begins. God's dream for you is to spend eternity with the man who created you, who planned you, who knows you. If you're here and you need to receive Christ or your dream has been lost along the way, you need a dream. You need Jesus to rebirth that dream in your heart. I want you to lift your hand right now. Just lift it quickly. I got to pray and we're going to go. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands around the room. Keep those hands coming up. Don't, don't miss this prayer. Touch this, touch this thing. Reach in and touch it. Father, thank you for these hands. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person who lifted their hand today. pray you bless them and strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that they would find great solace in the fact that, that you are patient with them and that you've got a plan for their life. Today, Lord, we just embrace your dream for us to be used in the kingdom of God. I love this church, Lord. I'm asking you to bless this church, bless these people. And Holy Spirit, you come right now and just begin to work. Holy Spirit. Let's just take 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, you come right now. Just begin to take the stress and the anxiety away. Lord, let the depression, some, some people here have been struggling with depression. And it's just, you, it's like you've been living in a cave. And God wants to get you out of that cave. There's light at the end of this tunnel. Amen. And it's called the dream of God for your life. Holy Spirit, you come right now. You just minister to people. You touch people. You strengthen people. Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. Church, pray this out loud, nice and loud with me. Okay, here we go. Say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Touch me. Speak to me. My dream 
is your dream. Jesus, today, I open my heart, my spirit, towards everything that you want to do in my life. Thank you, God, for the forgiveness of my sins. And I receive that today. Jesus, I give you all the glory. All the glory. All the glory. Come on, say it with me. This is the key. This is so key. Say all the glory. Say it again. All the glory. All the glory goes to you, Jesus. All the glory goes to you, Father. We love you so much. Come on, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to clap your hands. Tell Jesus you love him. Stand to your feet with me. Come on. Stand up. Give God a big round of applause. Now we pray.